James. Raf. What if I told you uh-huh. there was an app slash service mm. Gen Z are completely encapsulated by uh-huh. millions of users, yep. worth billions of dollars, but here's the kicker. It's a Chinese app. What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm gone. I'm out. Well, you're supposed to say TikTok. Oh, right. And it was like a, you know. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Oh, it's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gen TikTok. Z. T- TikTok. TikTok. No. Oh, my God. What could it possibly be? She in. That wasn't the best call to opening, but we're going. Um, you do it again once I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> <laughs> what's up? We have a guest, though. I mean, you're an expert. We have an expert guest. I'm not an expert. Don't pitch me as an expert. You did a podcast series with six episodes about it. Yeah, but I did fashion. speak about Sheehan for at least one minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but fast fashion. Yeah, fast fashion. Totally. It was an investigation into fast fashion. A whole podcast, six episodes, 25-minute episodes called Threads, still available. Veronica Milson, what is fast fashion? I mean, it came around probably like 20 years ago or so, and it's mass-produced, poorly-made clothes, essentially. Mm. It was a time when a culture around fashion and the way that we consume fashion had completely changed because Mm. it became way more available and accessible. So we're talking like the Zaras of the world, companies who could take a design that might be... On the runways. Yeah. On the runways, a high fashion design, turn around pretty quickly in a cheaper way, probably due to global supply chains, blah, 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 blah. Get it out there for much cheaper. That's right. But I mean, there's fast fashion and then there's ultra fast fashion. Yeah. And ultra fast fashion is like the Sheens. Yeah. To be honest, it's like making, even mentioning brands makes me feel nervous. Like it gets, makes my palms sweaty because I. Well, you're a I professional it. and we're just. No, no, no. <laughs> because just throwing did, it out there. I did it at the ABC. And so oh, it's like course. everything was just very vague. Oh, okay. Um, no, but you're absolutely right about all those brands. But Shein, for example, is, yes, an ultra fast fashion brand, which existed online but then has kind of come about in pop-up stores and stuff. As you were saying, yeah, Chinese company and just turns around so many items of clothing. Mm. Like we're talking 9,000 unique items of clothing a day, which is just wild. It, It means that like the seasons of fashion have completely changed from being like a couple of seasons a year to Mm. being like 52. Yeah, yeah. That's the craziest thing for me because there's a bunch of complexities to fashion and clothing and and whatnot. It's obvious, I think, to all the listeners what how the price of clothes has gone down through, as I said, global supply chains, materials are much cheaper, labour for actually manufacturing the materials Mm. is much cheaper. The idea of a master seamstress or whatever is obviously gone and been replaced by... We don't even want to think about the factory conditions of people who but are making should. the garments. Of course, yeah. we, we definitely should. Yeah. But the, one of the most interesting things about Shein and these other ultra-fast fashion things, they just say that are pumping out designs every day is like the design. The idea of the design is now fully commodified and yep. that, that's been kind of taken away. Totally. So from like the catwalk to the factory and then just on clothes, like on shelves, well, I mean, online in a matter of days. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like um, a nine-day turnaround or something. Yeah, it is. It's really wild. The, it's not like even the productivity that's changed that much. It's like the design has changed. Well, it's been fully commodified, right? Like, I don't know. This idea of the fashion designer, we all kind of have a conception up, up on a pedestal. But what does and Shein 
as an example, are like a very secretive company. What does it look like to be a designer, quote unquote, for Shein? And we don't know, but yep. I would suspect other than I know they've, we'll, we'll touch on later, I know they have um, kind of marketplaced the idea of design. But uh, if you're an in-house Shein designer, I presume it's something more akin to a coder or a dev, right? Like you're, yeah, totally. you're, you're getting inputs of data and for the most part it's automated and you're just kind of designs are being pumped out. Yeah, because like if you, if you backtrack a little bit and we talk about like where did fast fashion start, you know, Zara it started in the 1980s. It came out like fast fashion came out of Europe mm. as a way to like, um, as we said, make top shelf high fashion that came straight off the runway, make it accessible and affordable to people. Maybe they wouldn't be able to wear these clothes quite as often as you'd be able to wear like a really nicely produced piece of clothing mm. might fall apart after three or four uses potentially or washes but that was the idea so to be a designer at zara in the 80s yes they were producing their own designs but for the most part it was like oh look here's what gucci is doing yeah. let's just make the exact same thing and do it a little bit quicker mm. with um, cheaper materials with cheaper materials like over the years it has slowly transmogrified into this process of not just like cloning what the top shelf brands are doing, but like creating infinite variations and trying to like settle on the one sort of thing that's going to get the exact right amount of purchase or like really pop off online. Yeah. It's a totally different way of thinking about it. Well, that's right. And then on top of that, just making so many knockoffs yep. that there aren't that many of them available. So you have to quickly get it. Otherwise, um, you'll miss out. There's mm. this whole FOMO yeah, totally. model idea. Well, that's one thing you touched on in the podcast that yeah. um, I want to touch on. It's like- Do you listen to the podcast? I'm a. That's how I consume- a lot of my information. Oh, cute. Yeah, 2X, 2XB. That's a nice way of dodging the question. Oh, I listen to podcasts generally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you must have. I did. No. Hey, what's your favourite podcast apart from this one? Apart from- The Meeting Tree. Uh, <laughs> what's my favourite podcast? That's a tough one. I kind of hate them all. Oh, yeah. You just um, hate listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm more sure. of a hate listener. Mm, okay. And did you hate listen mine? <laughs> I research listen to yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm a research listener. It's yeah, the same exactly. thing. Hate, research, <laughs> you know. There's no emotion that comes into it. It's yeah. pure absorption. I get yeah, that. I, it's all listens. Yeah, That's exactly. all I care about. Yeah, yeah other yeah. than my wife's podcast, they are the best. I love listening to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, and you mentioned it before, like this idea of seasons and FOMO. You talked on something that we probably can't talk on as much, like the emotion. Like, why do people love to buy? Mm. <laughs> why? Do people yeah, love like to what buy? the fashion thing. Like, because at the basis of all of this, the insight that Sheehan had is that you're not selling. Well, I mean, it started off as a wedding dress company, right? Like, so it started off as like, here's a high margin one item company that you, you buy a wedding dress once, we're going to make a, a massive margin on that because we're able to make it really cheaply. But I guess the insight became, it's now the opposite of that. It's like we sell an insane variety, like a huge variety for very cheap. And we know that you're going to come back and just continuously buy from us constantly. That insight comes from a human insight, which is we love to purchase. We love to purchase a consume because it makes us feel better about ourselves and also it's like a way that we can reward ourselves. That's mm. how I feel about it for sure. But it also comes down to, which I talk about on the podcast, this innate way that we're marketed to and this innate sense that if we don't look the way that they're telling us we need to look, no one's going to want to fuck us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can no. you say... I 
far is that from right? this podcast. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? We've got the black T-shirt gang here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no that's you, a, yes, you can throw ASOS? it. Yeah. yeah, this so, is another ASOS. See, I'm, oh, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, Uniqlo. Okay. See, we, we haven't moved up. My so. pants are Uniqlo. Oh, yeah, nice. Cool. See, we're, we're in the mid-tier yeah. fast fashion. Yeah. Yeah, we've evolved beyond Zara, but we're not quite it. Uniqlo is probably still in the Zara. No, you're actually right. I reckon it is. Uniqlo is. ASOS was like the real innovator. In terms of like going online, no brick and mortar, no, no brick and mortar stores, purely online, but still kind of like bound by that old way of doing things. Like, we have to employ designers. That's right. For like the Australian listeners, the iconic is definitely in that kind of region as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I guess it's like, why do we want to buy? It's because um, we feel inadequate yeah. about ourselves and what we are, and that we need to, we care about what other people think. That's been hugely fueled by social media um, and influencers, people telling us we yeah. need to look a certain way. And then, like, Lots of young people that I spoke to just on the street were saying that they don't wear an outfit more than once. If they've been seen online in it, then you just don't wear it again. Yeah. Which, I mean, I really hate that I kind of relate to a little bit. No, I did I before I did the podcast anyway. But it is crazy that there's that trickle-down effect from kind of celebrities where you know, in celebrity culture, if a celebrity or a princess or whatever is seen wearing the same outfit twice, it's seen as some kind of scandal. Yeah. And now that's Ridiculous. trickled down to like, yeah, we can't wear the same thing to the club. That's <laughs> it. How many times have you worn a black T-shirt to the club? Do you well, think? I escaped, mate. I escaped, uh, From man. the Matrix? You yeah. You escaped from the Matrix? <laughs> I escaped the Matrix, man. Hell yeah. By wearing black ASOS T-shirts and, <laughs> and black that. Uniqlo pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, This is the answer, maybe. Is that a break up? Yeah, exactly. Mm. If, if everyone believed like that, Chin would be gone. Gone. Well, I mean, I haven't checked out what their black T-shirt category is like. But you're dead right. This idea that, like, that was the insight, right? It was like people are buying outfits every week. They're yeah. buying outfits all the time. Well, and that it's like a problem for a lot of people. Mm. And it's because of the it's all become so easy, so convenient. Particularly like when you can pay in tiny increments and then just like so this is me avoiding brands again. Mm. Um, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? We've never mentioned them on the podcast ever before. <laughs> and where you can just put your phone to pay really quickly. Like there's just so many ways where it's all been facilitated so it's so easy for us to just quickly buy and not think twice about it. But we're this like really great person once describe it as your urges being like bubbles in a lemonade glass and that you just have to leave them overnight and that they'll fizz away, which oh, I that's like, think about all the time. That's advice. Yeah. That's a, that's mindfulness. I respect that. Yeah, but also it, <laughs> but it's about like going, oh, I really want that jacket. I need that jacket. Mm. Um, and then you go, do I? Hang on a second. I'm being all bubbly it. about this. Mm. Um, I know that you're a big fan of bubbles, by the way. Sorry. It was, it's a bad analogy. Don't mention brands. <laughs> <laughs> Bubble to delivery. Uh. <laughs> I got some this morning. Yeah. Um, should, hopefully arrived today. I did. Yeah, thank you. What a great service. Yeah. Uh, it actually is a fantastic service. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, about to do our next round of funding. So if anyone wants to invest, uh, bubble, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic delivery. You heard it here first. Go on. Yes. And so it's about a way of controlling ourselves because we are out of control currently. Yeah. The influencer thing is a big thing with Shein as well, right? They were super early to kind of go for influencers. Not even just influencers, but just like regular social media users and like the developing the community of people. Like if you go to... Go on TikTok, go hashtag Shein, hashtag Shein Hall. Mm. There are like 
an insane number of videos. Because like the whole idea with Shein is that like the prices are absolutely rock bottom. Yeah, we should talk more about actually what Shein let's, is. Let's, let's, that's the crazy thing about it. It's like a multi-billion dollar company. It's number one in the shopping app category it's basically between one and two with amazon in shopping generally on basically all metrics and a lot of people probably especially our audience knowing the demographics of our audience mm-hmm. might not have heard of it the boys the fellas <laughs> oh yes. is that right because <laughs> the thing is about she and despite the fact that it gets often quite terrible press and yep. is like being sued all the time about mm. stealing designs yep. and- yeah if you google it it's just News.com radio, this Aussie designer is fighting back against yes, she and yes. stealing his design. Oh, so many people contacted me about the same thing. Um, and, but it, people don't care. Like no. I've had friends just be like, oh, my gosh, have you seen this Shein dress? And I'm like, what? Why aren't we feeling shame about buying stuff from there? Because it's a terrible conditions, because of the, like, planned obsolescence that they do, this way, like, things are built so that they can just break immediately. Mm. Why aren't we feeling weird and bad about that? Because people don't want it, right? Like, the market has spoken. They mm. want... Cheap clothes. They want Super the feeling of... And insane range. Exactly. They want the feeling of opening the box that comes in the mail and the excitement and then mm. putting it on and the endorphins that come out of, like, looking in the mirror and can't wait to wear it this weekend and then it's done and you get to repeat the cycle because, as you said, there's not four... Or there's not two or four seasons anymore. There's 52 and next week there'll be the latest... Have to get thing. There will be 10,000 new products in the store quite literally the next day. And And I get it. I absolutely get all of that. But, like, is it good? Of course not. Like, it's terrible. Although, we, you know, in the podcast we spoke to this really amazing professor from Cambridge who was uh, talking about how he basically came up with the way to solve fast fashion, which is to still accommodate people who want to open the package, put the thing on, endorphins, wear it once, look good, whilst also saving the planet. And that was basically to have like a... Netflix-style subscription model for clothes. Mm. So say, for example, a brand like Zara or whatever, you uh, get a subscription, you pay like 50 bucks or something, no, more than that, it would be 150 bucks, to rent 20 items of clothing for the month. and But then you can just keep subbing out items of clothing. You can just get another 20 as long as you're just like paying that subscription yeah. monthly. And then... It means that a company is getting money constantly coming through the door. Mm. It means that they're producing less, but it means that they've got these customers just like on tap. And surely that's the thing, right? Everyone's trying to just get people's credit card details. Yeah, and recurring revenue for sure. But the issue being, as you said, hasn't like the zeitgeist changed to why would you want something that was released six months ago? As opposed to like this crazy like every week is a new season model that like Shein... And it's not just them. We're singling them out. They are just a business who have identified exactly what people want and exploited it. One of the funny things about Shein, actually. Well, they're telling us what, aren't they telling us what we want a little bit? Yeah, Yeah. there's obviously manipulation there, but that's that's marketing. That's business, business, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, I think the idea of all of the processes that go into these incredibly cheap supply chains are, are obviously not good for the planet and nah. for consumption, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, what's the root cause? Go Should- on. <clears throat> We're going, going back 200 years to a, <laughs> to a strident thinker. What's his name? <laughs> a gentleman by the name of Karl Marx. <laughs> no, okay. no, no. But let's not get into that. Sure. But, but Shen, one of the interesting things about them, and, and like we're talking about them in the context of, the US, they're one of the most the, the most popular 
fashion company in the United States, Australia, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure it's similar. But they're not really very big in China. They don't make a lot of noise in China. Yeah, no, right. they're mostly for export. So it's probably it's probably worth giving a bit of context because I know we've kind of prattled on about Shein and many things. Yes, it started as Shein Side. It was a wedding dress company which expanded. It was it was started by a guy who is was like an e-commerce expert. So he came in there with like the perspective of being into e-commerce. Yeah, but and like, all of their staff were like SEO experts totally, and kind of that, marketing people. So that really built up. So it's almost like it wasn't quite like drop shipping, but it's sort of in that realm, the way that they were originally thinking about it. The context that it's coming out of is that China is really, really good at making things and it has been for like 30, 40 years. I'm not st- I'm not out of school making that claim. China is great <laughs> at making stuff. But well, I think Tilla to- likes when you say nice things. Nice things well, exactly, China. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if they want to pay me, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> now, we <laughs> talked about it in the Apple episode how the fault rate on the casing that goes around the iPhone that comes out of so the like 0.01% or something. And they've, you know, they're, they're a manufacturing superpower. But historically, China has not been so great at doing the rest of the stuff around that. So American companies would pay China to to make things and it would be sent to American customers or Australian customers or, or whatever. Shein is all of the generation of companies that have come up which are kind of like shaking that up. Yeah. So the, the idea that China over the past 20 years, especially over the past 10, has gotten really good at internet marketing and e-commerce and all the other parts of that kind of like vertical chain. Well, that's the thing. Shein is fully vertically integrated, It's fully right? vertically it's integrated. It's not making clothes for Gap or whatever, yep. Banana Republic or Target. It is, from the outset, doing the research, outsource that mainly to automated and AI, et cetera, et cetera, like means. Google and... Yeah, doing the research, coming up with the designs, doing the manufacturing, doing the global supply chain, doing the marketing, doing the e-commerce, and from top to bottom, it's all Shein, and therefore they can extract a margin out of that and reduce costs down to, uh, like, obviously way below anyone else. When you say it like that, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? It's incredibly impressive. It's it's an impressive business. And as well as, like, what's another major uh, challenge of fashion? You're usually speaking to one one culture or one cultural demographic. Mm. They're able to speak across cultures. Whatever's on the Shein Middle East site is different to what's in Australia, which is different to what's in America, which is different to what's in Singapore. And through using technology, they've been able to kind of automate that entire process from top to bottom. Like, that's the innovation. It's it. There's very little human input into, like, a lot of their insights and the way they produce stuff. Apart from obviously the you know people that are actually making the the clothes in the factories, and the one of the key innovations that Shein has come up with that made this work is they have a core piece of software. It's called an ERP. It's like an enterprise planning software. They've built this custom bit of software that runs basically their whole operation, mm. like everything from their back office to their production line, supply chains, their design, everything, and it connects every bit of their empire. And the way that they've made it work is that they will talk to you know, a, a new supplier in in China, like, you know, there's a, a new factory that makes garments and they will say, for us to work with you, you have to use our software. You have to use our software throughout all your computers. You can't use it in parallel with something else. And then basically from that, Shein gets all the insights about how much they're making, who's buying what, I mean, where it's how, going, how many people are clicking on front page, where yep. people are clicking, etc. Why aren't people, why isn't someone ripping off that software? What, well, same way they rip off designs. No, well, that'd be potentially, yeah. I yeah. think a lot of it was like that fundamental legwork of like actually having people going to factories and saying, if you want to work with us, you've got to convert your whole system. Yeah. So that's pretty hard break up or, yeah. or get someone to come in. But the result of that is that, yeah, there doesn't have to be a guy 
on like a 1980s cell phone being like, all these people are buying this this sheet. The red dress, the red dress. We need more of the red dress. The red dress is go to the moon. And like <laughs> telling the fact. It's it'll- the Oscars and Marilyn Monroe has just won a red dress. We got to get a 10,000 of those. <laughs> no, it, what it looks like is a computer being like, because it was as you were talking about before, they will put out 10,000 things a day and they'll just wait and see who buys it. And if like more than the average purchases one of these particular products, their system will be like, okay, this is popular. Automatically, a push notification goes to like the factory floor manager in some regional city in China, and he goes, all right, this is what we're making now. Yeah. It's this fully, absurdly integrated system, which is like unprecedented mm. in world history, basically. Yeah, you wonder how much it's going to landfill, though. The oh, stuff so, that's oh, God, so what, much. This is what, yeah. what you touched on. Like, What's the environmental impact of all of this? Yes. The big problem with fast fashion is um, what we just talked about before, that p- things just can't be worn over and over and over again, apart mm. from the fact that it's just mass-produced. It's, like, completely unnecessary, the amount of clothes that we have versus what we need. Mm. We like, need just a black T-shirt and some black pants. Damn, that's it. That's all. With that? Then you can get into club, no one notices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get 56 new items of clothing a year. Apparently we throw out, we wear things seven times before we get rid of them. Mm. Like, it's pretty, do you, I mean, you guys are nodding. Like it's normal. Do you reckon that that was predictable? No, Actually, that wasn't predictable. But, me, but I'm nodding because I'm like, yeah, other people do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shit. I'm normal. <laughs> and so we obviously are buying way more than yeah. we could possibly need. And the problem with fast fashion is that things are being made in such a shitty way that you can't keep reusing them lots of times, even if you wanted to. Yeah, you yeah. can't like give them to Vinnie's or whatever. That's right. If you give them to Vinnie's, they'll be like, well, this is ripped or this is stained. It just goes straight to landfill. So it's only things that um, are able to be cleaned or that are in good nick get recycled through the system. The, the problem with that is that, yeah, things are just going straight to the red bin and mm. so so much is going to landfill. Not even, like, that's from a consumer side of things. That's not even mentioning the manufacturer. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, the thing about it, again, if we go back to the old model, at least, you know, Zara were like, okay, we're making these because there is an expectation that people are going to want this particular dress. It was just on the, the catwalk, we're going to make this. Whereas now, Shan's like, we're going to make... 5,000 variations of this one green dress with probably mild changes for like various regional markets on the expectation that maybe only 20 of these skews are actually going to sell in appreciable amounts and the rest of it, yeah, that was that was experimental. Yeah. yeah. And That's then just fabric for the bin. Then there's, yeah, fabric for the bin, but then there's also the, the horrible process of actually making the product and the first place as well. So that's the other big problem with fast fashion is the water that goes into making cotton and the dyes that go into the rivers mm. and the, so the environmental impacts of those kinds of things. Especially when you're selling something for seven bucks or whatever. Exactly. Like you're obviously yeah. trying to find ways to cut costs at every single point of that supply chain, like 0.1 of a cent. So yeah. why would you take into consideration the dye and what its impact is on in the runoff, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so, the poly- so much polyester. There's a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just obviously dark when cotton is like so water dependent. Yep. Mm. You know, my biggest, like one of my big takeaways um, that I learned investigating fashion and fast fashion is just that hemp is one of the answers. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. 420. Yeah. <laughs> you got to buy um, hemp. Get into hemp and buy hemp. Apparently, like lots of witchery, for example, has got a whole hemp line at the moment. Yep. It requires very little water to be made. Mm. The conditions in Australia are great for hemp making. I just love that back. Back in like the 80s um, and the 90s, the hippies were saying, there's so many things that the hippies said, which is just like bang on now. 
Yeah. They loved hemp they, back they then were, and everyone did, yeah. laughed at them. It still has some associations. Yeah. yeah maybe maybe Shane can fix that. Maybe Shane. A hemp line. Well, maybe, well, they probably already have one. Yeah. I probably, like, if you look at it right now, it's like they have 20,000 bits of clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That are made with hemp. That yeah. kind of hold the smell mm, a little bit. Looks like hemp. Feels like hemp. Oh, yeah, say. there we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. A kind of a polyester hemp blend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that feels good. I'm sure that'd breathe well. <laughs> All right. Your mind if I go off. Sure. What does it mean for aesthetics, though, when we have this situation where the fashion supply chain or whatever previously is you have a bunch of really smart, fashionable people, creative directors or what have you at the major fashion houses that are, I guess it's data, but, you know, they're catching a vibe from around the world that they then import into their clothes and it comes out of their brains. These Cerulean. Kind of- Everyone's wearing cerulean. <laughs> <laughs> Felt, you know, we're all wearing felt. Um, but, you know, something comes out, it hits the runways, then within seconds, literally microseconds, we have AI and automation just like analyzing all those things, spitting it out. It's available on all these websites within kind of three minutes. Like what does it do to our aesthetic sensibilities to kind of commodify this idea of style and fashion and art? I don't expect you to have an answer. I have one. Oh, you, <laughs> I said, I'm going to pose a question and I also have the answer. Why, why don't you expect to have an answer? I have many thoughts on aesthetics and beauty and all. Okay, stuff. well, then you first no, and then I'd like to hear your question. No, 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 go ahead. Please yeah. go ahead. No, I don't think it's good. Go on. <laughs> do you mean that because um, we don't have our own sense of what it looks cool? If our sense at all times now is kind of algorithmically generated based on something, it's like I know it's – we're talking about full postmodernism here, like simulacra, simulacrum. It comes up a lot in our podcast, but like oh, where more, you- more than you would hope. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I, I, I get what you're saying because it's like the whole thing about Shan is that basically it has applied the kind of weird logic of virality to like clothing and fashion and mm. aesthetics and appearance, right? So I think like we got sucked off track talking about unicorn. Well, oh, yeah, well, postmodernism. Well, Hang on, yeah. there were heaps of them. <laughs> there, were he- there were heaps of diversions, but that's that's why you come on this podcast <laughs> to hear us talk about things directionlessly. But <laughs> one of the things that they did capture massively, and they understood in a really key way. Think about something like the iconic. I think the iconic is a great Australian e-commerce brand in the sense that they're really on top of things. Mm. Like they make a lot of they make they make a lot of money, but they're really well operated, but they still kind of are bound by the classic e-commerce model of, oh, we'll just like find some narrow targeting on social media and we'll advertise nice roomy shorts to this guy because he loves roomy shorts. And he's <laughs> he's had roomy shorts in his basket before and he hasn't closed the purchase. So let's like target him yeah. with that. So, it's, you know, it's a great way of doing things. And Shein obviously does quite a bit of that as well. They're, yeah. they're an expert line, but they really uh, understood sort of the logic of virality and like capturing the way people were talking about this stuff on social media. Yeah, there were a lot of trends during the past 10 years around social media of purchasing things, like unboxing videos for mm. iPhones and shit, like people that love making videos showing that they have a new mm. MacBook. Or the hauls or whatever. Yeah, the haul. Yeah. The, the haul. The, the logic of the haul. And that's the big Shan thing. It's like I'm posting my $300 Shan haul. So I spent $300 at Shan and I've got like this bag full of shit that I can yeah. like show I've never my watched followers. one. You did right. Like when I was doing research for this and I was attempting to find like revenue and everything, like at the top of all searches is just like Shein Hall. Shein like, Hall. YouTube, YouTube videos of like Shein Halls. And I'm like, I can't I can't find any information so about this business other than just yeah. people on YouTube or TikTok saying like, here's my haul. But yeah. don't you reckon like there's, he- I was looking at that too, and there's The Sun like in the UK has just heaps of articles on like yep. great Shein Hall. I'm yep. like, 
so they're getting paid, obviously, by Shan. Oh, there, there's absolutely no way. Neg- no negative press goes on the sun, only positive Yeah, stuff. I mean, I, I, would be, I would love to know what their marketing budget for, like, native content is. But Oof. I also think that people actually click on that stuff. Like yeah. I think that it's like an incentive just to report on it if you're the sun. Yeah, yeah. if you're the sun, you probably just look. You probably got some kind of social media software that's showing you here are the ten viral videos yep. or thingos on social media sure, of like the yeah. last hour, and so you just write an article about one, and it's like, oh my god, you get a million clicks yeah. on a friggin' Sheehan haul. Yeah. So you get. So I actually I get we talk like the Cambridge guy that you were talking to yeah. for your podcast. I get trying to like capture Dr. that. Dr. Steve Evans. Dr. Steve Very Evans. Clever man, you hear that, yeah. folks? Dr. Steve Evans. Mm. Look him up. Um, <laughs> But I get the logic there because it's really hard to beat that. The viral, cool, dopamine rush thing of I only spent $300 and I got 20 pieces of clothing and I can now show all of them and look how cool this looks. Mm. And it's quite possible that one of these items no one else has bought because Shen did a run of five as a testing ground, so Mm. it may not exist anywhere else. So I get like the logic of how can we capture that and corral it towards something that's a little bit more sustainable because it's very powerful and, like, a lot of the internet is powered that way. But coming back to your original point about, like, that being the kind of driving force of how aesthetics are generated and how people think about what's cool as opposed to these very well-compensated tastemakers that... That are making us all wear cutouts. Well, no one wants that, you know? Mm. As a woman, who wants to be wearing cutouts? We're yeah. just told that we have to. Wouldn't it be better if there was just some random person on TikTok... Could be one of, could be anyone that you'd see on the street, and they're telling you to wear cutouts. But maybe because they got it as part of a haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, maybe you're right. You've actually you've convinced me. It's actually a better way to channel aesthetics because if only five exist, then you are pursuing an individual style. Style, even if it is kind of spat out by an algorithm I, that was, I guess, targeting you specifically with a specific unique item of clothing that only you and five other people have in the world. You're specifically targeting an aesthetic persuasion of an individual, so maybe the world will have more variety and more creativity well, that way. I wasn't you're, right, ta- you're dead right. I wasn't thinking about it. Did you mean that? <laughs> I didn't mean it in a positive way, but I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that that's the inside you took. Oh, that, that rocks, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I the, think the algorithm is like targeting people spe- for specifically what they probably would want. Mm. Yeah, maybe it isn't so like like black and white. But I think you know, at the beginning we talked about it being like TikTok. You pulled a fast one on me about it being a big Chinese company. Yeah, very clever. But it, you know, other people call I got it, it. Yeah, great. Now, other people call it the TikTok of fashion. Yeah, because it's it operates on the same logic. Yeah, and I think one of the outputs of that is just avalanche of shit going into landfill. As yes, well, yes. to power that kind of like I don't know. I personally prefer the the model of the auteur. You like having someone calling the shots. Yeah, I someone like, with taste. I like someone with taste calling the shots, and then it's a slowly trickle down over time. Well, doesn't doesn't three it... years like the fact that we have kind of right wing fascists wearing skinny jeans nowadays? You know, like I like seeing that kind of journey and that lineage <laughs> where the same <laughs> guys who in kind of two thousand and three would call people who were that gay homos. Are now kind of calling for races to be wiped out, like <laughs> in, in the same kind of pants. That's, that's your view? Yeah, cool. All right. Well, like fashion is interesting to me because, like, obviously it's this weird ethereal zeitgeist of human taste. It's rarely spoken aloud. It trickles down. I don't know. Are we once again 
the algorithms are playing kind of black magic games with our minds and like manipulating them. And so that that thing no longer exists to me, that's a little bit sad. <laughs> it's annoying that, that everything's so globalised that fashion-wise that you can't necessarily go to a backpackers and tell where everyone's from. You're all wearing uh, big, roomy ASOS black shirts. <laughs> <laughs> You could always tell, like, someone that was, like, Spanish or something. Yeah, the Spaniards from the Israelis, from the Irish, obviously, stand out. The Northern English is they're from London versus Northern England, you could usually tell, like, straight away. No longer. It's all exactly. Everyone's wearing the same fast fashion. But to the point about tastemakers and whatever, doesn't it just come down to the fact that, like, all kinds of tastemaking now, and this I'm getting getting deep here if we want to... Follow me down into the pit, oh, but it's it's all curation now. You don't really have people saying this is cool, and then raining down from above in anything, be mm. it like you know TV or whether it's fashion or like I don't know memes yeah. or something. It's all it's a product of the distribution. It's, because- all, it's all exactly like pe- people just someone who has good taste now. Their whole thing is just like sorting, sifting through this shit on social media, and then being like, this stuff is cool. Yeah, These which five things are cool. That was the truth before, but in that you know they go around the world and and just take these sensory inputs, what a great job it would be. But the distribution was you had the catwalk and then you had magazines. Like before the internet, obviously, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like yeah. You had basically magazines like Vogue, et cetera, who, again, they owned the distribution of presenting what the latest fashion, what those latest fashionable people were saying like through the magazine. But then as soon as distribution was taken away as like uh, the competitive advantage, I guess, of um, magazines, et cetera, then, yeah, we have this democratization, but it leads to inevitably AI and algorithms um, doing it better than people, quote unquote. You hear this? This is this is Raf's take. Democracy, it doesn't work, folks. Yeah. Democracy does not work. But there are still some pretty strong voices, like uh, the Kim Kardashian. Voice oh, for sure. Is yeah, pretty yeah. strong in fashion. Like, I can't believe that how many people wear those leggings that have the. Little um, rouged bit on the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep, Isn't yep, that yep. Wild that that's taken off. Mm-hmm. That was just a purely Kim Kardashian thing. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I don't. What? It's like I... the like the shaped like exercise pants. Oh yeah, those things. Yeah. I didn't know the rouged, like the red, like no, 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 the... no like it's got like the. the oh yeah, fabric no, is you pinched. tell. I want to hear. It's just like the fabric. <laughs> the fabric is pinched on the ass. Yeah. yeah. Oh to yes, sh- right. To shape it. To shape the ass. No, I know. Yeah. yeah the, yes, shapewear. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I know yeah, what but, you're but not about just shapewear. But anyway, I'm not going to get any further into this. I'm yeah, not, leggings as pants. Like leggings. Yeah. Is... Leggings as pants. They're active wear. But then the next step has been just like that. You, it, it, they are made to look like make you look like you've got a big booty kind of thing. Yeah, 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 the BBL. But I've heard that's going out of fashion. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Someone needs to it's, tell all the girls in the suburb that I live in. Uh, well, is, is she on onto this? Do they realise it's going away? <laughs> They'd know before us, you yeah, know, but they wouldn't well, know. There's no one person there being like, hmm, the BBL seems to be going out no, of fashion. It's more, right? like, it's more like, yeah, their computer telling, as I said, some guy who runs the factory floor in Shenzhen or something. Yeah. Hey, stop Stop making these pants. Yeah. These pants are out. <laughs> On his 80s phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, an algorithm <laughs> saying that. Well, that's the thing. Okay, to go back to the kind of the business of Shein, right? Okay, labour, we already know that China has a competitive advantage there and an incredibly sophisticated supply chain when it comes to, like, the labour force, et cetera. Materials, same deal. Manufacturing in China, they're the kings and queens and, you know, Oh, I know. I did uh, regals. <laughs> um, seasonality. Tech has enabled it. Like, we've gone from, yeah, two seasons to four seasons to, and 
even like high fashion brands were responsible for this, right? Like it went from four seasons to eight and you had kind of off the rack versus haute couture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they've like reduced it even more. It's like they recognize that people want the hottest of the hot. If Kim Kardashian is posting the picture on Instagram, they want it that week. Yeah. Like you don't wait for it to trickle down three months later. Also, on this, I just want, I'll just notice somewhere on the seasons thing. I've also noted this, this sort of fires back to just like regular fashion stores like if you go into general pants or something it's much harder to see just like oh they've got all their winter clothes out now everything is on sale ever at all times yeah. in all stores because you can go online to anywhere and just get whatever you want yeah yeah you know. but you still feel afraid that a sale is not going to last for That's very true. long though too don't you the you're kind of like oh, how long? you, know, you want to ask the person is this going to be on sale still tomorrow yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah but it, so i guess it still works even though there are no seasons and everything's on sale all yeah. the time it's true it's true yeah pressures you to buy now you don't want to miss out fomo yes. of course variety very tough for businesses if you have a black t-shirt in Two styles, mm-hmm. you know, I'm three styles, good. oversized, yeah. standard size. It's enough for me. <laughs> for me, uh, just the oversized is, <laughs> is fine. Thank you very much. In eight colors and then in seven or eight sizes or whatever, that's complex. We're talking about 100, 100 SKUs or whatever. If you're able to obviously minimize the cost of manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera, that gives you a massive competitive advantage there, which Shein can do. Mm-hmm. Like they're happy, as, as you said, it's fine if they manufacture five of each of those and that costs them pennies. Mm. They nailed that. Return, what's happening with returns, though? I think that's one place that they're actually not... I mean, they do do returns and free returns, but because everything is actually coming from China, I understand that the postage is basically one of their, their weaknesses. It takes a while to receive it, and it takes a while to kind of return it and whatnot. Is that right? I don't know that much about that because I've never bought something from there. But, yeah, one of the things that I've seen um, articles written about is that, yeah, like the, the way that they deal with customers isn't as good as it possibly could be. Mm. Um, and the other because thing- it re- that requires well at the people. moment people to yeah. actually read, but I mean, how long will it be until you can put large language models into customer returns oh, like, and uh, just uh, identify having, having an AI decide whether I can return a six pack of socks or something? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would never return that, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to feel powerful, I'd return a six pack of socks to Shane. <laughs> <laughs> and then predicting demand is obviously that one of the hardest things for any retailer is obviously you don't want to be left with excess goods, which I know, yeah, go into landfill, but they have these systems based on literally people clicking around the site that changes the inventory levels in real time. Like that is the key, the idea of real time that is the difference between them and even ASOS, is that they are just changing inventory levels, changing designs, changing these massive ideas in real time with no human intervention. Yeah, but yeah, based on all these weird little inputs that used to just like inform advertising and stuff, sort of inform every single aspect of their business. Which I guess if we were trying to find a silver lining environment-wise about their business model, I guess that's positive. Yeah, they're, they're not like overproducing. trying not to overproduce. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but also... I guess wastage is a, a massive part of it. But, yeah, they're trying not to overproduce. But not, in the same obviously time. Obviously not caring about the environment, yeah. caring about themselves. But. And also increasing consumption. Part Like fundamentally part of the business model is increasing consumption, which, I mean, some may say is not a great thing for us to be consuming more no, physical things. Sure. Obviously not, because we're spending more and, you know, like we actually we don't need to consume more. We shouldn't be because... No. It's bad in every sense of our lives, except for that endorphin hit, right? Yeah. 
Like it costs us money that we hit. don't need Oof. to spend. It like costs the environment. It feels cost- good. That endorphin hit. The endorphin oh, hit endorphin feels rush. really good. Ooh. What about what is it? What is it today? And for me, often it's like toothpaste. Yeah, band aids. But you okay. know, it's well, still if you, exciting. If you can, if you can get the the rush from that, then you're doing pretty well. I would say. Except the Salvos, the Salvos has a good online site. They do, do they? actually. Yeah yeah, 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 they do. I didn't know that either. Except that they offered me a. Um, like a discount voucher, which I was like, well, this feels like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sure. But I was yeah. like, but still, I mean. <laughs> yeah, taking money away from the people that they charitably give to. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 20% less food today. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went onto their website, turned out the voucher didn't work anyway. Oh, cool. But, yeah. okay, but I was like, oh, great, I didn't even know this website yeah, existed. I yeah, they, I haven't been on it too much, but I remember I had the same revelation. Someone was like, Salvo's has a yeah. online store, which is kind of like laid out as a kind of shitty version of a fast fashion store where totally. you can sort of browse through. And, and so somebody is manually going through and taking photos exactly, of every item yeah. that comes in it's and not, uploading it to their website. Not, not a great system, I would imagine. No. But see, apply the Sheehan logic yeah. to Salvos. Yeah, imagine now we're that. talking. Now we're talking like the ERP system they've got at Salvos at Tempe. Yeah. You know, they're punching <laughs> it all in the data. It's finding out what people like. Mm. You know, a lot of people like these 10-year-old IKEA TV cabinets. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I would love They're that. They're big right now. Let's like, get some more of those. But like, <laughs> automate the acceptance, right? So you rock up to the Salvos to donate and you have to kind of hold things in front of a camera and it's just like, eh, take it home. We don't want it. You know? <laughs> yes. So now we're talking. Yeah, totally. yeah. Fully automated supply Vinnie's, chain. You piece of shit. <laughs> and I went to a sorting centre for a, an op shop and it was really insane. Just like seeing the amount of stuff that comes in. Mm-hmm. was yeah, right. pretty gross. And then just seeing the amount that gets compacted and going to landfill. Oh, but really? Just also the, like the process that you go through, like, there's these like sorters that stand there and like they have seconds to just decide if something goes in the A box, the B box, the C box, yeah, right, the yeah. landfill box. And um, they're determining like if it's a good enough brand, is it a good enough item? It was quite interesting, like seeing the back end of how that all works and how quickly it needs to work in yeah, order right. to just get through all the crap that they're being donated. I don't know if you've seen like the men's collared shirt section at like a Salvos or something. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought there was a huge amount of discretion going into <laughs> in the sorting line as like, is this is this B tick? Is this A or B? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I would have thought, you know, all A, but I could yeah. <laughs> no, at least there's Very humans generous. involved. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know. That's nice. You know, I'm volunteers that... from the church mostly, oh, okay, but yeah. Well, you know. Oh, look, the other thing that we said we were going to mention that was probably good is that what Sheehan has done particularly as well, one theme that we've brought up quite a lot in Down Round is that Chinese consumers shop very differently to consumers in the West. They love buying through you know, WeChat. They love buying through like social apps. There's like mm. social shopping apps. They, they're not ever going to be the type to go, I'm going to go to www whateverbrand.com and like browse Nike. Like I'll go to the Nike website and see what shoes are available. They want it all as part of like some big app, Mm. most of which don't look very nice, but it's just like all the deals in one spot in an endlessly scrolling feed. So what's an equivalent that we would use in Australia that's like that? Sheehan. We don't have one. This is what all of the major apps kind of want to be. Yeah, Yeah, but it's it's more like a social experience, right? Like Instagram shopping is like Facebook kind of promised that Mm. Facebook would be like this, that you can buy within Instagram, you can order your Uber within Instagram, et cetera. It's, mm. It's a long long project of like American tech companies being like, how can we get Western consumers to shop like consumers in China? Mm. And it's something that they it has seemed to be an insurmountable problem. 
because there's just a condition not to shop that way. So this, we're not interested in doing things like that. But one thing that Shein has successfully done is get people to download the Shein app. This is where you find all the hauls and the discounts. So they are, have actually made a huge amount of progress in getting people away from thinking about the browser. Like I'm going to go to I don't know, the, the Iconic or something yeah. and look at their nice website. I'm going to go to Shein and get an avalanche of deals that look like shit. But- oh, man. It's another example, and I lament about this all the time. Like, if you go to Amazon, it just looks like total shit. Shein looks worse. Literally, I was remarking to you on the amount of percentage symbols that are in my eyes at any one time. Every single thing has a percentage symbol next to it. Yep. Like, every item, anywhere you scroll, you've just got percentage symbols just pounding. And I think it's an it's an ugly symbol. Yeah, I mean, it is. But is that is that strategic in any way? Well, no, it's like just a, it's, it's a pure reflection of of our wants. We always want to feel like we're getting a deal, yeah. And, and like you need to click on this thing because like I'm getting this special once in a lifetime offer, and I need to get it now because mm. like I'm being smart. It's like telling you you're smart for buying it. I think yeah. we, I hate it, but it's it bad. But it works it's, obviously. It's, it's yeah. the realization that as much as people love talking about, oh, this website has such a really nice purchasing experience. You know, I go to the Iconic and, like, everything's laid out really nicely. Or, like, Apple.com is the classic Apple. example. You go to Apple.com. Like, you start all- scrolling, it takes over your mouse, and it's like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, it oh, leads me. Beautiful. Take me. Yeah. Like, guide me to purchasing a MacBook Pro. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, show me, like, On let me chariot, explore like, your beautiful product. But it turns out that the thing that what, what you really want you want to see? You want the EB Games sales experience <laughs> exactly. with all the red sales oh, for sales sign. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, you want forty different items with like various things flashing in your face and a timer clicking downwards. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I agree. And three pop-ups. That's what. That's unfortunately, you know, they've they've worked out that that's actually deep in our souls what we want. Yeah, we, we want, are trash. We you be, are trash. You yeah. are trash. <laughs> Down around listeners, particularly, <laughs> um, you are the worst of them all. <laughs> Anyway, subscribe <laughs> to our podcast. And the premium one, $7 a month. I, th- this month only, $7. $7. Shit, yep. get it while it's hot. <laughs> yeah, Throw please. it out. Woo. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> what a delightful wine and chatting experience. Yeah. Down now has a premium version. We have subscriber only version where we go a little deeper on certain topics we probably are a little bit more honest a little bit more off the cuff shooting from the hip yeah and if you really want to get deeper in a lot of the topics we discuss then you should sign up to be a premium subscriber seven bucks a month it's on substack you get an extra episode a week that's pretty cheap like we're talking less than two bucks an episode exactly what kind of value is that in this world today nowhere what can you buy for a dollar seventy that's you, listener. Answer me. If you email me and tell me something that's actually like really good and great value that's not another subscription worth $1.70 and provides terrific amount of value, we will give you one month free. Absolutely. Send us an email at downroundpod at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to waste your time doing that, thank you. Head to downround.net or downround.substack.com or Google Downround. There are a million ways to find us and sign up. $7 a month, $7 a year. We'll see you in there.